Welcome back to another edition of the Making the Madness College Basketball Podcast. I'm Jonathan here with Sean. Another eventful week in college basketball offseason. The offseason never sleeps. Uh, the SEC is very good. Uh, Remy Martin is going to Kansas. So is seventh year player uh, Jalen Coleman Lands, who is the same age as Ben Simmons. So Dr. Quite, Jalen quite, Coleman Lands. Yeah, Doctor Jalen Coleman lands. Uh, what, what, a, what a uh, interesting pickup that is. But certainly going to be an eventful uh, just week for you know college basketball in general, and you know good good pickup for the Jayhawks getting Remy Martin and Coleman lands as well. Yeah, definitely. You know, Kansas, they're an interesting-looking team next season. Looks like at this point they're probably going to lose Ochai Abaji just based on the addition of Coleman Lands. Coleman Lands throughout his entire career, the very long career, he's been regarded as a like high-level shooter, but he's never been a good shooter at all in his career, except for last year. He was finally a really good shooter. He shot 39% on over six attempts per game for a really bad Iowa State team. I think he really found something last season. It was Really, I mean, in Illinois, his first season, he shot 42% from deep and then 38% his second season. But that's so long ago at this point. I mean, that was 2016-2017. He redshirted two straight seasons at DePaul and then played 2019-20 and was pretty terrible. And so last year, he was actually really good for Iowa State. I suspect that he's going to be a pretty solid player for the Jayhawks this season. You know, if Abaji left, they were always going to add another shooter, and it looks like they got that guy with Coleman Lands. I'd expect him to be a pretty solid piece. And then Remy Martin, you know, he they know him pretty well because he had 22 points against them in Arizona State's shocking win in Allen Fieldhouse back in 2017-2018. He's one of the all-time best players in Arizona State history. So to see him leave for Kansas was kind of surprising, to be completely honest. He's had 19.1 points per game each of the last two seasons. He can be a bit too shot-happy at times. As a guy that's watched a ton of Pac-12 hoops, uh, you know, Remy Martin is super flashy. He makes a lot of highlight plays, but he also makes a lot of head-scratching plays that at Kansas I don't think will really fly. In Bobby Hurley's system, he lets guards do what they want to do, which is certainly fair, and that's the way a lot of basketball is nowadays. I just don't see Kansas going the same way. But, you know, Devin Dotson wasn't a very good shooter either. I mean, but he made it work at Kansas because of his great speed and driving ability, good passing ability. Martin has a lot of the same aspects to his game. I think he's going to shoot the ball less from outside because he's a subpar shooter, 34% last year. First career is shooting 33%. I think he's going to drive and kick a lot more to some shooters on the wing like Christian Brown, Jalen coleman lands. I think that we're going to see a career high in assists from Martin, and the points are going to drop off a little bit, but I'm curious to see how the dynamic works between Martin and Joseph Yesifu from Drake because those are two guys that want to score the ball every possession. They're not looking to pass all the time, so it'll be interesting to see how those two can work together. I wouldn't imagine they start together, but both are going to play pretty significant roles. Yeah, I, I think if Abaji does head to the NBA, I think those two would start together, but... Uh, we'll, we'll you, kind of you, you can go you can go Martin, Coleman Lands, Brown, and then you can go at the four, you can go Jalen Wilson, of course, and then McCormick at the five. I think that's more likely than those two sharing together. I just don't think those two can play together that much. I don't think that's going to work. I, I think it could work, but I, especially offensively, I think both those two, you got like two guys who are like both 
and that's kind of what Kansas need this past season. You have Marcus Garrett, who you're a very great glue guy who just, I don't think worked as being the point guard. Uh, he just a lot of times was like driving to pass and uh, that that only goes so far. And Remy Martin, he's someone he's going to drive with the, you know, just willingness to say, I'm going to go get a bucket. I'm going to go score. Uh, and same with Joseph Yesifu. So I, I think that's a good fit for the team. You, of course, have Brown. Uh, Wilson, I think, will be back. He's also yeah. uh, in the NBA draft. Uh, and then, of course, David McCormick, center inside. I think that is a really good uh, you know, group of players. I think Remy Martin, if he would have been on this past iteration of Kansas, I don't think Kansas struggles the way they do this past season. I think they're probably a team that makes it out of the round of 32. I don't think they're three seed to begin with. Uh I would at least say maybe like an elite eight level team if they had Remy Martin this past season. So certainly getting him will be big. Uh, I, I think they're the favorites to win the big 12 next season. Yeah, definitely the case. I'm curious to see what happens with the rest of the roster though, because Dewan Harris is a guy I kind of thought would pick up a bigger role this year. He's kind of built from the same cloth play style wise as Marcus Garrett. He's a little different because he's smaller but he's not much of an offensive threat, but he defends at a high level and can facilitate. He's not going to be that guy that goes and gets a bunch of buckets, but if he's open, he'll take a three. I was kind of hoping to see a bigger role from him. We'll see if he's even on the roster next year. He could opt to transfer, because I don't think the minutes will really be there. And then you have a guy like Bobby Pettifer Jr., a four-star recruit. He's definitely going to have to take a backseat if Harris stays. I mean, he's going to be the fourth guard on the roster. But looking at the other side of this real fast, Arizona State obviously losing a top 10 player in your program history isn't ideal, but I don't. I think Arizona State gets better this offseason, even with the losses they've had, because Marion Jackson, I think, fits what Arizona State wants to do better than Remy Martin ever did, because Martin's the kind of guy that, again, like I said, he wants to go get a bucket. He's going to make flashy passes here and there, but he's kind of turnover prone at times. I think Marion Jackson does everything Bobby Hurley wants him to do, I, they're just different players, but Marion Jackson's going to be one of the best guards in the Pac-12 this season. Yeah, I, I think Arizona State, I think, you know, on paper, the roster fit pretty well this past season, but I think everyone was playing almost too selfish of basketball to make it work because everyone's like, Josh Christopher, I want to get mine. Remy Martin, I want to get mine. Uh, and that, that just didn't work. So I, I think... There's more of a like role allocation. It's like, so Jackson's obviously best player. You've got Muhammad. You've got Brahma, who can be like the t- next two guys. And then I think the role allocation, at least for Arizona State, is much better uh, fit out this season. I think it would have been no matter if you know it's Marion Jackson, if it's Remy Martin. Like I think. I don't think it's necessarily that. I just think it's uh, their best player knows who the, that they're the best player. I think it, you know two years ago when Arizona State was uh, going to be an NCAA tournament team, Remy Martin knew he was the guy. You're the guy, Remy Martin. Deliver us to the promised land. And uh, he he certainly stepped up. And I think anything, it's a big thing is just knowing. 
having your best player knowing you got to be the guy as opposed to trying to maybe even defer and at times. Yeah, definitely. And watching Arizona State last season, even two seasons ago when they really picked it up near the end of the year, Alonzo Verge wanted the ball in his hands all the time, which was a big issue because he was really streaky. Like he dropped like 50 against St. Mary's or whatever, but then he might go the next 10 games not even combining for 50. So he's just, he was so streaky and he always wanted the ball. I saw him pass the ball like a grand total of five times. So I just think overall, not having a guy like Verge with Martin and Christopher, three guys that want to take a bunch of shots is helpful. And like you said, Arizona State has actual role allocation this year. They have a bunch of guys that fit together much better. You have Jay Heath, who can shoot 40% from deep, and that's going to be his role. They want him to be that guy that's going to shoot the ball from outside, not going to be the guy that's handling the ball and also trying to shoot and drive. That's going to be Marion Jackson's role, trying to set everybody else in the offense up. Yeah, and going back to the team that Arizona State uh, did sweep, hypothetically, if Ochai Abaji does return along with Jalen Wilson, who do you think ends up being the guy that gets the short end of the stick here, that gets sent out? Like, I, I could see it being, you know, maybe Sidney Curry, but, like, there there's a lot of guys on this team that are getting a scholarship that just mm-hmm. probably aren't going to play this year. So I, I, I'm interested to see. Uh, I would say, you know, maybe it's Sidney Curry or Cam Martin. I don't think one of those will play. Mitch Lightfoot's not going to get May minutes. Then he's technically see. not even a scholarship. Uh, his scholarship doesn't count to the total because he's a free-year guy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, K.J. Adams, Zach Clemens, both four-star freshmen. I don't know if they'll get May minutes. Uh, and I think Kyle Cuff will redshirt. So, I mean, there's All a lot of guys. Yeah, there, there's a lot of guys on this roster that are just like – not going to get many minutes uh, this upcoming season. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if one of them, you know, transfers or uh, especially that the freshmen decide, hey, I'm going to reopen my, my recruitment or, you know, I'm maybe even take a prep year. You know, Kyle Cuff, I think, ended up reclassing. Maybe he decides, hey, I'm not going to reclass after all. I'm going to go back to high school or something like that so I'd be interested to see if that happens yeah I think if somebody leaves it's probably Dewan Harris just because he's already redshirted once and is in the 2019-2020 season he played a solid role this year again like he's not an offensive threat at all he shot 64 percent from three so you can look at that and be like man this guy can shoot he was nine for 14 so like if he was open he was maybe taking it he had, I think he made four in one game, and that was kind of where most of them came from. But he's a high-level defender and facilitator, good speed. I think he's a really good player that could thrive at like a mid-major level, or just in a role where he know, or in a role where he's the lead guard, and his role is to set up other people and not score. I think he could really thrive in a system like that. But he's not going to get a big role at Kansas this year, so I'm curious to see what he ends up doing. Yeah. Maybe next year once Martin and you know everyone else is gone, but certainly I think this year he's just going to probably play a similar role to last season. Yeah, potentially. Uh, moving on here, uh, going to stay in the Big 12, Bryce Thompson goes from Kansas to Oklahoma State. 
I really like Oklahoma State now because I think they need another guard, uh, another like score, and Bryce Thompson just fills that role perfectly. And I know the Cowboys they lose Cade Cunningham, but I I think they finish. You know, if I'm doing preseason projections for the Big Twelve. Obviously, the top three are Kansas, Baylor, Texas, in whatever order you want to put it. And I think Oklahoma State's the clear four, uh, fourth best team in the Big 12, at least for me. Yeah, I agree with you on the top three. I kind of have four, five, six in the same breath. Uh, breath, is that the right word? Yeah, I guess we can say that. In the same uh, region, I guess. We have Oklahoma State, for me, kind of in the same region as Texas Tech and Oklahoma I think they're all kind of just there and they're all really good they're all going to be tournament level teams without a doubt you look at what Oklahoma brings to the table they have three high level guards you have Avery Anderson who's probably going to be the star of the team next season you really burst onto the scene this year when Cade Cunningham was dealing with uh, the COVID protocols and all that he really burst onto the scene even when Cunningham came back he really established himself as a go-to guy leading into this year Rondell Walker is a high-level shooter and defender, your prototypical 3-and-D guy, but he can really run the point, too, if you need him to. So I'm curious to see how that aspect works. Bryce Thompson, again, former five-star recruit. I think he's a very good player that didn't get much of an opportunity last year for a few reasons. He broke his wrist early in the year, so that really hindered what he was able to do once he came back. With a full, healthy season, Thompson's going to be a pretty key piece for the Cowboys. And inside... You have the Boone, uh, the Boone twins, and then you have M.A. Moncrief. Moncrief is a future breakout star. Uh, he's a double-double threat every single night. Keelan Boone is more of a shooter, and his brother Caleb is a really good athlete that's a high-level defender. He's also a double-double threat every single night. And I didn't mention Isaac Likely there because his role to me is a mystery. Likely was always that guy as a freshman pupil, like this guy is the next great guard at Oklahoma State. It just hasn't really happened. Likely can run the floor really well. He's a a high-level athlete, super quick, pretty smart player too, defends. He can really defend one through four if you need him to, and he can really play one through four, but his issue is shooting the ball from outside. He is a brutal shooter. He shot like 40% this year, but only on like 20 shots. If you're the starting point guard, you cannot be that much of a liability from outside. He struggles at the foul line a lot too. I think ideally what you want from a guy like Isaac Likely is to play him off the ball at like the four, which he's capable of playing. He's 6'5 and athletic. He's 6'5", 215. He can play the four if you need him to, or I like to see him as a six man because he can come off the bench and lead the units a little bit. But I want Avery Anderson touching the ball, leading the offense on every single possession. That should not be Isaac Likely's role this season. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what the role is. Uh, with Thompson, like just looking at him, I know he, he didn't really shoot it well, but like the shot looks good. And I know like he was regarded as a high level shooter in high school. So, I mean, you know, I get that he didn't shoot it all that well last season, but he was also playing probably the back half of the season coming off a broken wrist. It's hard to get necessary, like the necessary timing down. Uh, to make it work. So, I mean, coming in, I think Thompson is someone that could probably, you know, you expect him to go out and shoot uh, maybe 35% from three. I don't think that would be too crazy. Avery Anderson, I think, really showed late last season he is 
uh, the next big guy at Oklahoma State. So, I mean, that's a good one-two punch offensively. Isaac Likely is, I think, a really good guy to just have on the court. He's a good glue guy, I would say. Rondell Walker's a good player. Uh, Caleb Boone, Caleb Boone, M.A. Moncrief. I mean, that's a that's a really good, you know, top seven. And, you know, you add that, you keep in Bryce Williams, who's still on the roster. Uh, you, of course, can bring in supersize with uh, Bernard Kuma. I, I really like this Oklahoma State team hanging the next season. Uh, I was kind of a fan entering the offseason. Uh, and, you know, one thing, of course, Cade Cunningham leaving, that's kind of big. But the one thing with Oklahoma State is, even when Cade Cunningham had his, you know, COVID pause, had the late season injury, uh, I think he missed the West Virginia road game. They still won those games because the rest of the core was really good. So I, I don't think Oklahoma State's going anywhere. I think they'll be a little bit worse than last season, but uh, certainly I think they're a pretty clear tournament team. Yeah, without a doubt. And another team that is without a doubt tournament team in my mind right now is Texas Tech. They landed Sardar Calhoun, and I'm going to start this one off because I'm a big fan of Calhoun and what he brings to the table. 6'6", can shoot the ball at a high level, 40% from deep for Florida State this season, average 18 a game at Missouri State West Plains two seasons ago, one of the best Juco players in the country two years ago. Calhoun's a guy that can average double figures this year, probably like 12 to 13, shoot 40-plus percent from deep and defend at a high level. But here's the, here's the thing with Texas Tech. They have a lot of wings. I mean, you look at Kevin McCuller. He's back. He's a wing. You have Sardar Calhoun coming in. You have Davion Warren coming in from Hampton. And you have Adonis Arms coming in from Winthrop. All those guys are pretty much the same size and all do a lot of things pretty similarly. Arms is a really good defender. Uh, Warren can defend. And so can Calhoun. They're all pretty solid defenders. Calhoun's the shooter of the group. Arms is more of a versatile scorer overall. And Warren's more of a slasher. McCuller can kind of, he's more of a shooter too. So you kind of have a mix of four different guys that do a lot of different things. And it never hurts to have a lot of wings, but I'm curious to see how the roles are allocated in this one. Because you for sure lose Mac McClung. He's replaced by Malik Wilson from Louisiana. So the starting five probably looks like Malik Wilson, Kevin McCuller, Sardar Calhoun, Shibuzo Agbo, who I think is in for a pretty good breakout season. I like the potential of Agbo. And then Marcus Santos Silva at the five. That's a very talented starting five with Warren off the bench, Clarence Nadalne, Adonis Arms. That's a pretty deep team. I'm just curious to see how Mark Adams puts it together in year one. Yeah, and especially if guards. Uh, I still, like, Santos Silva just doesn't do it for me as a big man. Uh, so I, I would still like them to add uh, a lot more depth. I think Kevin McCuller can fit in in that four-spot role pretty well. Uh, Sardar Calhoun probably plays the three. Uh, then you got Arms, Warren, uh, Leek Wilson. I mean, that there, there's a lot of talented pieces coming into this team. Uh, I, I, of course, I just... I'm not a big Marco Santos Silva fan. Like he didn't really impress me last season. He's kind of undersized. Like that, that would be my one uh, caveat, but getting in a player like Sardar Calhoun, who uh, just an elite sheer knockdown, you know, sniper. Uh, he's proven at Juco. He's proven at Florida state. Uh, he will no doubt be their best shooter next season. Uh, 
that that is a very good addition for this team. Uh, we'll see about TJ Shannon. He, I don't know if he's going to be back Probably or not, gone. but yeah, I, I've seen him some. I saw one draft board today had him at 14. Yeah, he's so, gone if that's the case. If he's 14, yeah. you know, I think he's a guy that's definitely going to rise the boards because he's really athletic. I mean, he gets compared to Kelly Oubre all the time, but he's also improved a lot as a shooter. He's a good defender, perfect 3 and D kind of guy. I think that three-pointer is only going to improve throughout his career. NBA teams would be pretty stupid not to guarantee him, like, a top-20 pick. Yeah, I, I'm not there on him. Like, he just – like, he, he's someone, he almost goes through the motions at time, and, like, I I could see him being, you know, maybe a first rounder, I could see him, I would probably, you know, draft him in the second round, but, like, most, most times these days in college, like, if you're a guaranteed, okay, we'll, we'll pick you in the second round, then most people are gone, and I think he'll ultimately leave, but uh, I think that there's a told rotation around him even when he leaves yeah definitely agree for sure texas tech is a lock for the tournament in my eyes at the moment the big 12's in for a pretty good season kansas state's a team that could surprise some people west virginia fans were not thrilled with my words on them on twitter they're not going to be a very good team you could lose taz sherman and sean mcneil testing the waters you lose miles mcbride and you lose Derek culver so you're relying on malik curry from old dominion you're relying on a few freshmen you're relying on Gabe Osaboyan, who can't score, Damon Kerrigan, who's an elite shot blocker, and Polly Polycap, who is good for like 5-5 five and five every night. You're not going to win a lot of games with that kind of roster. You're just not going to. It's going to be kind of uh, similar to what they were three seasons ago, I guess, when they were pretty terrible. I kind of see that being an issue again. I don't think they're going to shoot the ball at a high level if McNeil and Sherman are gone, and the point guard play just isn't going to be there. But McNeil and Sherman could technically be back. They they could, but they're also testing the waters. I feel like at this point, the way the roster looks, they're probably better off just leaving. Maybe we'll we'll see. And I I do think like, let's say one of them decides, hey, I'm going to come back and average 20 points per game. I I don't think that would be the worst for their uh, professional aspirations. So yeah, for sure. Uh, Big 12 just in general, though, I mean, obviously, I think Kansas, Baylor, Texas, those are the top three. I like Oklahoma State at four. I think you could go a number of different ways, you know, five through eight. I think you you could go, I would probably go Kansas State. I like their nucleus of players. I think Oklahoma's going to be solid once again. Poor Moser's a very good head coach. Uh, TCU, Texas Tech, I think both will be, you know, kind of in that bubble range. Uh, and then, you know, West Virginia, unless they get, you know, Miles McBuckets back, I don't think they'll be a tournament team. And then Iowa State's like, Iowa State's the one team. I'm just, I'm penciling them 10th place finish, last place. Like, they didn't do it's just a hodgepodge of parts that just aren't going to equivalent to more than four wins in Big 12 play. I agree for sure. I think the Big 12 is going to be really good except for West Virginia and Iowa State. Yeah. Uh, moving on here to 
uh, different league. It is the SEC, and it is Xavier Wheeler who is heading to uh, Kentucky. Uh, certainly, I think a good addition for them. Uh, he's someone I think a more one. He's I think kind of insurance for let's say Ty Ty Washington. You know, whatever reason struggles a little bit. That's you know guaranteed insurance there, and then. Two, he's a pretty good point guard. You surround him with shooting. They've got C.J. Frederick. They've got Washington. They've got Grady. Uh, he'll come in and be you know, next to shooting, which he w- really wasn't all that much at Georgia. So uh, I think it's a solid addition. He can run the point. He can move you know, Ty Ty Washington off the ball. So I like this pickup for Kentucky. Uh, they almost have too many guards at this point, but uh, – I think they'll be back. I think they'll be, you know, they certainly won't miss the NCAA tournament this year. Yeah, definitely. I think Kentucky could definitely can compete for a national championship, be a top five preseason team. But here's the thing for Kentucky. They needed shooting. They got it with C.J. Frederick and Kellen Grady. Dante Allen returns. Let's see if he actually gets minutes this year. But if this, here's a little issue I see at the lineup. Xavier Wheeler's not a shooter. I don't think he ever will be a great shooter. 22% last year on decent volume. I just don't see him ever being a guy that can shoot 30-plus. Maybe it happens, but he's a really good facilitator, really tough player, great driver, can finish through contact, can distribute to others and get them open shots. He's just not much of a shooter himself. But when you look at since 2013, Kentucky's just really not been a good shooting team. The best that they finished shooting percentage-wise is 74th in the country, and that was at 36%. But since then, there's 35, 34, 33% last year. That's just a disastrous percentage. And they turn it over so much. that the la- Really, throughout all of Cal's years at Kentucky, they've turned it over you know, 15% of the time nearly every single year that he's been in Lexington. So what is he going – I guess it's 17% of the time uh, – all of his years. So what's he going to do in the future next year? Wheeler's a guy that was turnover prone. He had the most turnovers in the SEC last year. With a better team around him, is he able to turn those turnovers down a little bit? And will he be able to make a three if he's open? That just wasn't a thing he was able to do last season. Kentucky didn't have any point guard last year, so that was a big-time issue. I think C.J. Frederick and Kellen Grady can both shoot close to 40%. But lineup-wise, I'm curious to see what we're looking at here. Because if it's Wheeler... Then you go Grady at the two, or Washington at the two, Grady at the three. Those are two guys that can shoot. And then you go at the four, let's say it's Oscar Shibway. And then at the five, either Isaiah Jackson or Damian Collins. I said Isaiah Jackson because it seems like there's actual buzz that he might return. I don't think so, but people seem to believe it. So let's just put his name out there. I doubt he returns. Him and Damian Collins are pretty much the same guy anyways. So let's say it's Isaiah Jackson or Damian Collins. Only two guys on that floor can shoot in uh, Grady and Ty Ty Washington, and then you added C.J. Frederick because he's one of the best shooters in college basketball, and he's coming off the bench. So what do you do in that case? Do you put Shibway at the 5 and put Keon Brooks at the 4? He shot 24% from deep last year, but he can at least make them sometimes. There's just not enough. There's too many ways this roster can go that I don't like that I feel like limits their ceiling. I think if they went with a lineup of Ty Ty Washington at the 1, or they don't even have to start Ty Ty. They can go Wheeler at the one, I guess, and then put Frederick and Grady together. I like that a lot more, but I feel like what we're going to end up seeing is a lot of Savier Wheeler shooting and turning it over, and that's going to really hinder what Kentucky can do. But if he can refine some of his skills, because he's a very skilled player, 
I think that Kentucky could be one of the best teams in the country, but shooting is a concern for me next year, not because of the pieces they have on the roster, just because I, the way that I feel like Calipari is going to play. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. I I wouldn't mind seeing Wheeler, Washington, Frederick, Brady, and then like Shibway at the five. Like I think that Brady could at the be... four seems like a disaster though, defensively. Yeah, but like you get. I think you could manage him at the four, uh, especially against like smaller teams. I mean, he's six five, two oh five. Like he is going to get back down every single possession. I mean, it depends on I think the matchup, but that would be like if you're playing a smaller team. I think an interesting matchup because like you pair him against another team that's you know playing four guards like the four round one style. I think. You surround Wheeler with three elite shooters in Washington, Frederick, Grady. Like, that could be very interesting. And, you know, for this team, I don't think Isaiah Jackson will be back. Uh, I don't think so either. But the buzz, there's buzz, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, You've got Collins, Sheboy, both those guys can uh, attack the boards. And, you know, I think they'll dominate the rebounds with those two probably playing on the court together. They Keon Brooks, I just don't – maybe he starts at the four. I don't know where I think that's what's going to end up happening. I think what's going to happen – or this is what I think should happen. You go Wheeler, Washington, Grady, Brooks, because he can at least hit a three if he's open, and then Sheboy at the five. I think that's what we're going to end up seeing, hopefully, because if they have three guys on the floor that can't shoot, that's going to really limit what this team can do. And I know it's – I feel like that's the lineup we're going to see – with three non-shooters, and I really hope that's not the case. Because last year, Olivier Saar and Isaiah Jackson, that lineup just never worked together. They should have never been on the court at the same time. It just didn't work. Well, then you had B.J. Boston, uh, couldn't shoot, or he could shoot, like, back in high school, but couldn't shoot last year. Mm. Uh, I mean, you you had no space on the team, and that's... Kind and, of an issue. And they asked him open looks. Like, teams were letting him shoot him. They just weren't making him. And when that happens, it's a disaster. The late-game execution from Kentucky last year was one of the more embarrassing things I've ever seen in my life from a basketball team. I mean, they found ways to lose games that I haven't seen before. Like, they would commit a terrible foul, or they would turn it over uh, while, like, barely dribbling the ball, just kind of holding it, and then turn it, dribble it off their foot and turn it over, take a terrible shot. Like, uh, there was three situations, or maybe two, against Notre Dame and Louisville, where Olivier Saar ended up taking, like, a corner deep two with time, like, half a second left, and that was their final shot of the game. That should never happen. Yeah. Well, good thing Olivier Saar is gone. Yeah, he, uh, he was not good last year. I mean, Kentucky fans thought he was me, Kareem, but he was he was Olivier Saar, so that didn't work out. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, but I, I like Wheeler's you know pickup. Just as long as you surround him with shooting, I think he'll be a very solid pickup. Uh, C.J. Frederick can shoot. Colin Grady can shoot. Davion Mintz could come back, and he can also shoot. Ty, Ty, Ty Washington can shoot. Um, Dante Allen, maybe they decide, hey, we're going to play Dante Allen. He can shoot. So, I mean, there's a lot of shooting on this team when – I mean, last year this team was a certified brick fest. So, I mean, they 
they addressed the one need they had in the offseason. I'm looking at this team. I don't think there's any All-American level players. Uh, maybe Sheboy, if he plays out of his mind, I just I don't even see that. So in terms of All-American players, I don't think there's anyone on Kentucky that reaches that. But I really like you know just the different matchups they can throw out. I think they, they're protected every game. If you want to play small, they can throw that death lineup out with Kellen Grady uh, at the four if they want to. Uh, they could throw Keon Brooks out at the four. Like, there's so many different matchups. Uh, if Coach John Calipari, like, plays the matchups right, you know, fits the right guys in, I think they're in to win a lot of games. Yeah. I think if the lineup, like you said, is structured correctly, they could be one of the best shooting teams in the SEC and a national championship contender. This is a loaded basketball team. Absolutely. Uh, so Kentucky going to be good. Uh, Auburn, they they add, they're they're going to be good as well. Uh, they they just pulled in you know a, another you know really solid commitment here today. Uh, pair up with the already good uh, Katie Johnson coming over from Georgia. So uh, the backcourt made of Xavier Wheeler, uh, he is now uh, at Auburn. Certainly a solid pickup for them. Uh, he's someone that could shoot it. Uh, play, played a limited sample size last year, I think due to injury. but uh, I think it was eligibility issues. Uh, eligibility, he shot 38% from three, which uh, on a team in Georgia that had zero floor spacing that that's that's probably like 42 percent at auburn this upcoming season uh i think the tigers they're they're in for a good season they've got the front court in jabari smith uh, walker kessler jt thor Jalen williams you know just coming off the bench i mean what else could you want there and then you know of course they add in uh wendell green katie johnson they add in desi sills they still have alan flanagan Auburn's Add Zeb Jasper. Add Zeb Jasper. Yeah, uh, I forgot until right now that Desi Sills goes to Auburn, so that's pretty interesting. I don't think he's going to play very much, honestly, because Katie Johnson is definitely going to play more because he's a more talented player. Sills is a good defender. He can run the offense, pretty good athlete, not a very good shooter. So I'm curious to see what kind of role he carves out. Zeb Jasper, though, was all – uh, CAA defensive team. He got second team honors in the Colonial. KD Johnson shot 38% at 13 points a game. Wendell Green looked like, he looked a lot like Sharif Cooper last season, the way he run, ran the floor, made a ton of difficult passes. But here's the difference between Green and Sharif Cooper. Green is an actual shooter. He shot 35% from deep. I'm pretty high volume. I'd expect that percentage to go up a little bit since he's on a better team. He's going to be able to set up some good passes inside of Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith. Zepp Jasper could play on or off the ball. I think you want Wendell Green off on the ball due to his high-level facilitating ability. Zepp Jasper, he's able to shoot the ball from the outside, and he played off the ball a lot during his Charleston career with Grant Riller controlling the offense. And then, like you said, you have JT Thor who could come back. He's testing the waters. I think he does come back. Jabari Smith is a top-five recruit. You have Walker Kessler, a former five-star recruit, who is going to be one of the best bigs in the SEC this season. Dylan Cardwell has showed a lot of potential last year. He's going to take a back seat this year. Uh, Baba Tunde at King Bola, probably a bench roll for him, too. Jalen Williams, also a bench roll. 
this Auburn team can definitely compete for the SEC. I think there's four or five teams in the mix for the SEC. You look at Alabama, you look at Kentucky, you look at this team right here in Auburn, and then you look at Arkansas. They're all kind of in the mix for me, all in the same kind of tier one situation. And then you have Tennessee in the tier two. Who I think Tennessee could be really good with the duo of Justin Powell, former Auburn guard, and Kennedy Chandler. Florida's kind of in that mix. Mississippi State, LSU, they're kind of all in the same tier. And then you have like Missouri, you have Ole Miss, who could be okay. You have, and then in the bottom tier, you have South Carolina, Vanderbilt, and Georgia. Like those three are in a league of their own of being pretty terrible. I think Georgia needs to be like in a tier below the other tiers. Like I think they're. They, we were talking, I think, before the podcast, they could be, like, we're talking about Georgia, we're talking about Cal, we're talking about, like, Iowa State, the worst high major teams, you know, power six, you want to call it, teams. I think those have to be, like, Georgia might be my early pick to be the worst high major team, and I, I don't know if it's necessarily close at this point. No, I agree. I mean, California's right in that mix, too. They, are, they lost a lot. They lost Matt Bradley, who was their only good player last year. But when you look at this Georgia roster, they have a lot of guys that aren't high major players. You just call it what it is. Jabri Abdurrahim, I think, could be their best player next year. But on the roster right now, they have one point guard. That's Christian Wright, who is a three-star recruit. He's the only point guard on the entire roster. Then you have Noah Bauman, who's a good shooter. Coming in from USC, Jabri Abdurrahim, like I said, his father, Sharif Abdurrahim. I think Jabri's going to be a pretty good player for Georgia over time. But is that going to be next year? We'll see. Uh, they add Carrillo Aquendo. He's a Juco player from Florida Southwestern State. He's going to be interesting. He's not a great shooter. And then you have Dallin Ridgenall from Cali Community College. He's a forward that can really shoot the ball from outside. But he's only 6'6", and Cali played one of the fastest tempos in the, all of Juco basketball. They scored like 110 points a game. So how will that translate to the Division One ranks? I'm curious to see. Jalen Ingram transferring from uh, FAU. I just don't think he's really a high major player. Same deal with Braylon Bridges. Like, he's a big dude. 6'10", 225, but I don't see him playing a huge role. He, he's probably going to end up scoring like 10 points a game and getting five boards. That's because his team's just not very good. The fact that Braylon Bridges is going to be starting for Georgia isn't great. Because I think he could be a fine high major player as like a 15 to 20 minute per game guy. But with the way this roster is looking, he's going to have to play like 35 minutes a game. They lost like their entire team from last year. And that team wasn't even that good. Yeah. No, I, I think we've we've spent probably too much time talking about Georgia. Because they don't deserve any talking about. They're just, they're going to be terrible. Yeah, they're terrible. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think... Arkansas did a really good job. I think Devo Davis is in for a breakout season. I think Chris Likes, Adio Tony are good fits. Uh, you know, Stanley Umode as well. Uh, I still want to see them maybe add in another piece, but uh, Arkansas is certainly going to be good. Alabama is going to be good. Once again, Nate Oates has that program rolling. Kentucky, we've you know talked about them. They're going to be good. Uh, Auburn, of course. I think that's your clear top four. I think Tennessee is probably five. Uh, you throw Florida in the mix at, you know, maybe at six. Uh, they think you're you're in a situation you're looking at like LSU, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. You know, depending on how coaching goes, uh, those are probably like your bubble teams. And then Vanderbilt will be better, but still not great. 
Uh, Missouri, Texas A&M are, you know. A&M could be sneaky good. I like what Buzz Williams has done this offseason. That had a really good guard like Marcus Williams from Wyoming. He added Jordan Hall, who can he's six foot seven and can play one through three. Good athlete, not the best vertical leaper, but he's a good overall athlete and can shoot the ball at a high level from deep. But when you look at the rest of the roster, you have Manny Obaseki, five star, or I think he's a four star, but uh, really good score. I expect him to have a pretty good season. You have Henry Coleman coming in from Duke, former four star recruit. You have Javante Brown coming in from UConn, former former four star recruit. But this roster is a lot different than it was last season. And last year's team wasn't very good, so I'm curious to see the way that this team's able to mesh. I have questions about how they're going to run the offense. Will it be Marcus Williams on the ball or will he go more off the ball? Because he's a really good scorer, but do you want him facilitating for himself? Or do you want a guy like Jordan Hall, who's six foot seven and is a really good playmaker for a guy that size, do you want him running the offense? I think he can do a little bit of both, but I think A&M's an NIT-level team this season – but in two years, they could be one of the best teams in the SEC. Yeah, I th- I just I think they're probably a year away from being you know a realistic contender, right? Yeah, I agree. I think they'll show improvements this season, uh, but I just I don't see NCAA tournament in their future. Uh, South Carolina, I don't see any success for this team. I think this could be Frank Martin's last season. Yeah, unfortunately. I think Frank Martin is a great guy, and I think he's a very good coach. This team's just bad, though. I mean, there's just no way around it. This is a really bad basketball team. Keyshawn Bryant, I just assume at this point, stays pro. Uh, Jermaine Cousinard could be a pretty good player next season. I think he's going to improve a lot. But you had a guy like Chico Carter. He's a solid shooter from Murray State. They pretty much traded Trey Hannibal for Chico Carter, and I think Murray State wins that trade. Eric Stevenson's one of those guys where – you always hear about how good of a shooter he is, but he's never been a good shooter before. James Reese is a solid piece. He can shoot and defend good 3 and D kind of guy from North Texas. I think he could be one of the best players on the team, but that just kind of shows that this is not a very good team. A.J. Wilson coming in from George Mason. He's not really a high major guy. Alonzo Frank was hurt last year. Wildens Levesque, I'm curious to see what he does, but this team is not going to be very good. Yeah. Uh, Mississippi State, we, we kind of touched on them. They add in... Uh, solid addition, Shaquille Moore. Uh, so, I mean, the team, they've obviously got Iverson Molinar, who's going to run the point. Uh, then, then you've got Garrison Brooks, DJ Jeffries, uh, Derek Fountain. Derek, don't, uh, you don't want to get me started right now about Derek Fountain, do you? Come on. Then, then of course, Shaquille Moore. So, I mean, there, there's some solid pieces on this team. Uh, ben Howland will, of course, you know, find a way to make this disappointing because that's what Ben Howland does. But, um, I mean, if if this team was coached by, you know, Nate Oates, I'd say this is a tournament team. I think they're a tournament team, you know. But here's my issue. Garrison Brooks and Tolu Smith, I do not ever want to see them playing together. They should both play 20 minutes a game. One could play 30 minutes if they're having a hot night. One can play 10. They're, it's not going to work if they play together. It's just not. Neither can shoot the ball from outside. Both are really just like threats from 10 feet and in. I think Tolu Smith is the better player. Garrison Brooks is solid, but I think he's a bit overrated because of his one really good season. He was pretty subpar last year. DJ Jeffries, I think, could really break out this season to be one of the best players on the roster. Shaquille Moore, high-level athlete, can really he reminds me of a smaller Russell Westbrook in a lot of ways because he just attacks the rim. 
and is tremendous at that. Uh, Derek Fountain, six foot eight, and can shoot the ball at a high level. Good defender. He's going to be one of the breakout candidates in the SEC this season. Iverson Molinar had 16 a game last year for Mississippi State, a really sneaky 16 a game. And then they made the NIT championship before losing to Memphis. I think Molinar could be a contender for Conference Player of the Year. Shot 43% from deep last year. If Mississippi State's good enough, Molinar is going to be a first team All SEC player this year. Yeah, it, it, it's a solid team. Um, you know, I, I question Ben Howland's coaching, but I mean, the pieces are there for them to make the NCAA tournament. They'll probably, of course, you know, typical Ben Howland style, they'll play 40 minutes of Tolu Smith and I mean, uh, it's just not going to work. Garrison Brooks at the four and the five. So, uh, I don't have my hopes up, but you know, we'll, we'll see. Maybe, maybe Ben Howland, you know, involves maybe play some Dirk Fountain, uh, you know, DJ Jeffries, three, four lineups, uh, you know, get Molinar, Shaquille Moore. I mean, they're, the, the pieces are there for them to be a good team. It's just, I don't trust, trust the coaching. Uh, I, you know, Ben Howland, even when he had like back at UCLA, he had Russell Westbrook and Kevin Love uh, on the same team and like got blown out in the final four. Like, he finds a way to, you know, undeliver to his expectations. So I won't buy into anything Ben Howland does. Yeah, certainly fair. I mean, I saw way too many lineups of Abdul Adu and Tolu Smith last year. Neither, I mean, Adu just isn't much of an offensive threat. He's a great defender. He's headed to Cincinnati, actually. Good get for West Miller. I like that a lot due to his defensive ability. But you have to have the ability to rotate those bigs. You don't have to play them together. This isn't the 1970s where you have to play two bigs that can't shoot at the same time. It, 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 there's no rule that says you have to play two bigs that don't shoot. I mean, a lot of teams don't do it, unless, you know, you're Roy Williams last year and play Garrison Brooks and Armando Baycott together. I bet if Norton, and I love Roy Williams, great guy. Probably, I've never met him, probably never will. Uh, it doesn't seem like, I'm not big enough for Roy, Roy Williams, but if he had the chance last year, I'm shocked he didn't put, like, Walker Kessler at the two, Baycott at the three. Uh, uh, who are the... Uh, Sharp and Brooks at the four and five, and then put like Sterling Manley at the one. I mean, I'm shocked that's not a lineup we saw last year. It's too bad. It, it, although I, we did uh, late in the Duke game, we did get some like Sterling Manning. I think he played at the three for like a small stretch of time. You remember when? Oh my God! North Carolina fans were convinced that uh, Garrison Brooks was going to play the three. Oh my God! I remember when that was a thing. Um, that I don't was think he played happen. the three. No, he didn't. But they thought that, uh, Roy Williams said it at a press conference or something. They're like, "Oh man, Garrison Brooks is gonna play the three. I'm like, "Put him at the three and see what happens," because that's not gonna work. Yeah, it's just uh, but not a thing. Abdul Adu is heading to Cincinnati. We you you touched on that earlier. I think this is a nice pickup for them because they they already had Caden Hayden Koval coming in, but I think Abdul Adu almost you know fits that that role a little bit better. You've got David DeJulius, Mike Adams, Woods, John Newman. That's solid you know trio of guards. Jeremiah Davenport will play the four, and Abdul Adu will play the five. I think this team is slowly you know. Worked his way into a tournament contention. 
I'm not sure I have them there yet, but I think they're they're very close. Yeah, I think they're a bubble team. I think Mike uh, Saunders could be one of the biggest breakout candidates in the country. And Cincinnati, or UNCG rather, last year rotated five bigs in and out. This year they're going to have four that they can do that with, with Hayden Koval, Jarrett Hensley, who transferred, both transferred from UNCG, Odia Guama from Wake Forest, and obviously Abdulladu from Mississippi State. None of them are going to play like 25 minutes a game, but they're all going to play like 15 to 20 minutes a game. Hensley maybe like 10, or 8 to 10. And then Adu and Koval probably more, and Oguama like 12 to 17. So I get, like, Koval's the guy that's going to step out and hit a 3. Adu's just going to make your life difficult on the defensive end. Oguama's a really good athlete that scores a lot inside. And then Hensley's just kind of a jack-of-all-trades kind of guy. So I'm curious to see the way that Wes Miller puts it together. Jeremiah Davenport was really impressive last season. 6'7 wing that can shoot the ball at a high level from deep. I think Cincinnati is as a talent to be a tournament team. Yeah, I, I think they, they definitely can. The roster seems to fit really well. Uh, we'll, we'll see what Wes Miller can do, but I, I have high expectations. Um, you know, we, we've, we've made it this far into the podcast, and we haven't touched on the biggest recruit uh, committing yet. It is Nolan Hickman heading to Gonzaga. Uh, the Bulldogs just, they continue to add up. They, they of course... They bring back Andrew Nimhard, Drew Timmy. Uh, then, of course, they add in Hunter Salas, Nolan Hickman to play some guard. You'll probably start at the guard position. They have Chet Holmgren. Uh, they also have Razier Bolton, Dominic Harris, Julian Strother, uh, Anton Watson, Martinez Olauskas, Ben Gregg. Like, talk Kaden about Perry. depth. Yeah, Caden Perry. He's like... The twelfth guy we're mentioning here. So I mean, yeah, and he's like a sixtieth recruit in the country. That's just incredible. Like I tweeted this: if you take the name Gonzaga off of that roster and put Duke, Kentucky, or Kansas, they're the consensus top team in the country. And this Gonzaga team should be. There should be no argument about who's the best team in the country. It's not a debate. It's not. You have the second best recruiting class in the country, a class that brings in two top ten recruits, including the number one recruit. You have three five star recruits. You have. Uh, the 60th recruit in Caden Perry, who's often compared to Brandon Clark for his unreal athleticism. You return the presumptive national player of the year in the preseason. You return a guy that started two years at Florida and had nine points a game and five assists per game for the team that lost the national championship, including uh, Anton Watson, who played a pretty solid role last year for Gonzaga, and two guys that were top 100 recruits just one year ago with Julian Strother and Dominic Harris, Ben Gregg also, Technically, last year was a top 50 recruit because he reclassed. So, I mean, it's just incredible. The depth on this team, you can say they play in the WCC, whatever. This is the best team in the country, and it's not even close. Yeah, and it it, it really just comes down to not if, it, it's about when. When will Gonzaga get over the hump? I think they have as good as a shot of any this upcoming season. They certainly have the guard talent uh, with Salas and Nim or. Salas, Nimhard, and Hickman. Uh, I think Razier Bolton is someone where he was kidding, was like, yeah, I, I, again, I'm not going to be the best player, but I, I want to fit in a role and play on a good team. I, I'm tired of only being two teams a year. Uh, I want to you know, contend for a national championship. I think that's the right mentality. You, of course, have Chet Holmgren. You have Drew Timmy. Uh, best front court in college basketball, pretty clearly uh 
Yeah, I, I was like starting to look ahead, like, okay, who who's going to be, you know, potential All Americans, and like those two will be preseason first team All Americans, and they're the, they're in the same front court. So I mean, you can't get a better front court than that. No, definitely not. And you know, thinking about the rest of All Americans right now, I can't even figure out who I, I mean, like Paolo Banchero would probably be in that mix for me from Duke, Jaden Ivey from Purdue, maybe Grant Sherfield from Nevada. That would maybe be my first team, but next year is going to be so interesting. How about this? So Hunter Dickinson? Nah. Trace Jackson Second Davis. Oh, could, that's a good call. TJD, he's going to get on there. I, so I'll do a real top five for the first team. I'll say Grant Sherfield from Nevada. I'll go Jaden Ivey from Purdue. I'll go Drew Timmy and Trace Jackson Davis. Am I missing anybody obvious? I'll say Chet gets second team. And then I'll go... Actually, no, you know what? I'll go Chet first team. That's my first team. If I was doing first team, I would go Timmy, Holmgren, Banchero, Hunter Dickinson, and Trace Jackson Davis. Yeah, that's a really big lineup. Yeah. Now, I'm just talking five best players, so, I mean... They'd probably, like, if I have to vote for a guard, maybe I'd do, like, you know, Colin Gillespie or someone like that. But uh, Chet Holmgren, maybe Chet Holmgren, Banchero start at the one and the two. Timmy at the three. Dickinson and Jackson Davis at the four and the five. Yeah. Probably. I can get down with that. Probably too big, but. There are worse things to happen than being too big. It's not the worst thing. Yeah. Better than being too small. At least, at yeah, least you don't you'll want to be rebounds. too small. Yeah, you'll get rebounds. You might not be able to shoot that great, but hey, you'll get rebounds. Yeah. You'll get rebounds. You just you don't want to go up against a good three point shooting team. No, that'll be a mess. You'll you'll no chance of coming back. But Yeah. Uh but yeah, Hickman's going to be a good addition. Uh, I, I want to see, with Gonzaga this year, I want to see them play, like, a big-time February game. Like, Houston could have played this big-time February game, but they were they were a bunch of chickens. They, they, wore they the played entire... Our Lady of the Lake. Like, you kidding me? Houston. Hey, G- Gonzaga-Duke, though. Gonzaga-Duke in uh, on Black Friday. All right. I mean, I want to see it in like February. Like, here's you the didn't problem. Complain that, about Gonzaga Duke in November. Here's the problem though. Like, Gonzaga did this last season. They played everyone February or November, December, but no one. Like, half the people aren't paying attention to college basketball until January, February. And but so, they tried like, to play other people. They just didn't want to play them. But. Find a way. Find a way. I, it's partially, it's mostly the other team's fault. But still, I want to see them. Like I can't sit here and say I don't want. I, I don't want them to not. I want them to play like someone in February, and especially for the fact like that's when you're starting to get re- you know ready for the NCAA tournament. Getting a like high stress game. You know, just before the you know NCAA tournament, I think that would do wonders for them. And this past season, 
you know, they dominated everyone all season long until, you know, the champion or final four, I guess. Yeah. The final four. And I mean, a lot of, you know, it was like, Oh, well they're playing Pacific games within 15 upset or like, no, like the the casual fan just wasn't watching Gonzaga all year long, and they, they were being almost too good. Um, and then here they lose in the national championship, and everyone's like, "Up, oh, they're they're massive frauds." And it's it's not that Gonzaga is massive frauds; it's that like a casual college basketball fan that's you know not locked into the sport just they don't watch the November, December games. They're just, they're there for March. They'll watch in February and January, but Gonzaga is not, they're playing the WCC game. So, I mean, I want to see them, like, I want to see Houston play them. Uh, Stop being a massive chicken, Kelvin Sampson. Play Gonzaga in February. I'm in. Let's do it. Yeah, but please please do it. Uh, Meanwhile, Creighton, maybe they want to play Gonzaga probably not going to be good for them, but they, they land Arthur Kaluma, um, you know, solid kind of four man. Uh, they of course have Sh- Sharif Mitchell, uh, Ryan Nemhard. I think that's a solid, you know, backcourt, uh, get in Ryan Hawkins. Who's going to make threes, uh, Arthur Kaluma, I think we'll start at the four and then, uh, I guess Ryan Kalkbrenner has to start. I don't like that. Yeah, uh, I think I think he's gonna be fine. And then you have uh, Rati. Uh, his last name starts with an A. I, I there's no chance I'm gonna be able to pronounce this. So I'm just gonna say uh, Rati A, the former four-star recruit that tore his ACL. Uh, he's a point guard. I think he's gonna be a pretty solid player for Creighton. He's known for his high-level IQ. So I'm curious to see what he does after a year off from his ACL injury. Andrew Kellishvili. That's close enough. I'm not even gonna try to pronounce that. Wait. Andron Akilashvili. Andron Akilashvili. Yeah, that. Just yeah, no it, way that's a name I'm going to be able to pronounce. It's just not happening. Yeah, I think Creighton's better than you know, I, I thought coming into offseason. They they'd be not very good, but I mean I don't think they're a German team, but they'll they'll be at least middle of the pack I think in the Big East yeah I agree I think they could be a bubble type team I think Ryan Hawkins is really good could be one of the best players in the Big East in my opinion because I just love his game uh someone in the uh, I'll say I'll say someone that knows uh very well compared Ryan Hawkins to Nikola Jokic play styles and that's pretty uh it's pretty it's pretty high price that sounds good yeah, I mean, I, I watched a fair amount of Hawkins. I would say this guy certainly watched more of him than I did, and he called, he compared him to Nikola Jokic, so. Yeah, I mean, the Big East next season, it's Villanova, who's, like, number one. I think Xavier is going to be good. Xavier uh, Butler's going to be good, but people are like, oh, they sucked last year. I'm like, yeah, they sucked last year, but half their team, like, tore their ACLs. Like, they get Bryce Enzi, Jair Bolden, Aaron Thompson, uh, Bryce Golden, even though he's not a free-year guy. Bryce Enzi, who am I missing? A free-year guy. Uh, Aaron Thompson, Jair Bolden, Christian David, and then you get uh, Bo Hodges back. 
return Miles Tate and Chuck Harris, that's going to be a really good basketball team. Yeah, Chuck Harris is, I think, going to be a top five player in the Big East. Hot take. No, I could see it. I mean, Georgetown fans, they weren't thrilled with where I had them. They, you know, they have a very good Harris on their team, too, with Dante Harris. Chuck Harris is better. But Georgetown fans were not happy. Like, Georgetown fans, if any of you are listening at this point in the podcast, I'm sorry. But you guys were bad for 95. I'll say 97% of last season. You guys got hot in the last, like, month. And that was awesome. I was glad to see Patrick Ewing win that very special moment for him. He's a great guy. Uh, guys like Javon Blair and Jamarco Pickett, I'm glad they were able to do that. But both those guys are gone. Cutis Wahab is gone. So you lose your three best players from last year. Uh, Chaudier Belay, I think, is also not coming back. So you lose your top four scorers from last year on a team that lost to Navy at one point. You know, that's just, no, I mean, this, they're not going to be good. I don't. They add Aminu Muhammad, who's going to be a very good five-star player. Dante Harris is going to improve. Uh, Ryan Matumbo is a project. He's not going to step in right away and be great. He's just not going to. Uh, Timothy Ego Hefe is probably going to start at the five to begin the season. That's not going to be a very good team. I like Caden Rice. He's able to shoot the ball from deep, has good size. And then you uh, – Caden Rice and uh, Trey King from Eastern Kentucky. Those are guys that are interesting. I think Rice is more of a high major player. I think King is solid. A Georgetown fan tried telling me that King's a five, which he played five at Eastern Kentucky, but that was just happenstance because they didn't have anybody tall on that team besides Trey King, who's six foot nine. They have, like, five guys on Georgetown that are taller than that. Trey King's going to play the four, and Georgetown's not going to be very good. Yeah, I, I just hope for Patrick Ewing especially. Like, the team's at least competitive, and, like, you get, like, Dante Harris showing, like, that he can be a legit, like, all-conference-type contender. You show, like— Well, the last few guards that looked like stars transferred, so— yeah. Well, he, I mean, you, you want to keep him around, obviously. So, I mean, Amino, Muhammad, like, if you can get those two, like, showing out, you don't want Muhammad playing too good, uh, obviously, because you want him back for next year. But, like, if you can show, like, some early year improvement, like, I I think you're in a situation where, like, you can get excited about next year for Georgetown while, like, examining while this team's, like, not going to be a tournament team. I think if you can, like, if Patrick Ewing can, like, pull out, like, a, they have 28, like, if they can go 7-13 and 13 in the league, like, there, there'd there be some real excitement hanging into the next year. So, I mean, that's yeah. what you kind of want to see with Georgetown. Yeah, definitely. I think they'll be bottom of the conference, but I think the Big East is pretty deep at the bottom half. I just don't think they're super deep at the top half. Yeah. Um, DePaul's going to like DePaul's yeah. gonna be interesting. Yeah. St. John's. St. John's will be pretty rough. Yeah, but assuming like, Champagne's gone, he's not coming back. Yeah, I like Posh Alexander. I just wish. Yeah, like, I do too. If Julian Champagne came back, I'd really like St. John's, but. There's just not much there. Mm. Now, Mike Anderson's never had a losing season before, so I think they'll be, like, 16 and 15, but they're not going to make the tournament. They'll be, like, maybe an NIT team. But I love Posh Alexander for sure. Yeah. Uh, Marquette is, I think, going in the right direction. Province is... 
I mean, I they lost DJ Carton. Yeah, but Chaka Smart is a upgrade over Wojo. Nah, it's not saying much. Yeah. Uh, like the Big East doesn't have really, like DePaul's the bottom, but like if you're looking at like who's the Power Six conference with the worst or the best, best bottom worst team? Yeah, it's yeah. it's the Big East. Yeah. It's like the ACC has Pittsburgh. And they're terrible. Got... The SEC is Georgia, and they're terrible. Pac-12 yeah. is Cal, and they're terrible. Big Ten has <laughs> Northwestern, they're terrible. Yeah, and then you've got uh, Iowa State, who's terrible. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, not, not the greatest teams, uh, some of these other comps. I think... Big East going to be competitive. Uh, every team but Villanova is going to go uh, 9-11, and Villanova is going to go 20-0. Okay. Hot take. Yeah, okay. It's pretty pretty warm. Pretty pretty warm, but um, last one here, we've got uh, Quinn Slazinski heading to Iona. Um, Rick Pitino, he does it again. Great recruiting. Uh, just, I, I think this team is going to be very interesting to watch in the next season. Uh, I mean, I don't even think there's a team even close to the same level as Iona, but uh, this is a team next season with Rick Pitino. They obviously they get in. Elijah Joyner, Tyson Jolly. Jolly uh, you know, as well as Quinn Slazinski, like this is a team. I think they're going to not only like just dominate this uh, MAC conference. Uh, I think they could win a tournament game. Yeah, I think they could win multiple tournament games. This is a really good roster. Rick Pitino is one of the best coaches in the country, one of the best of all time. Iona is a really good team, and nobody's going to compete with them. Ryder and Manhattan could, but that's that's it. Yeah, and. You know, it kind of stinks, like, we got the, like, because the Mac screwed up the seeding so bad, we didn't get, like, a Jalen Pickett versus Iona championship game. Yeah, that was stupid. We got that in, like, the first round. Yeah. They should have, like, they should have, like, made Iona the seventh seed. Just say, okay, we're going to, Sienna is going to play Iona in the championship game. That would have been fun. I think Iona played, like, Maris in the championship. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Let me and see who they play. I'm fairly certain it was Maris, and they beat them by, like, 30. So, like, I just – I don't get it. Like, come on. Get it together. That was that was incredibly stupid. I, I get, like, this past season was just incredibly stupid with how it was all, like, done. You had uneven schedules, but, like, still, like, Use some common sense, people. It was Iona over... Um... Quinnipiac? Was it really Quinnipiac? No way. Fairfield. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, Fairfield was terrible. They, They went... They won by 24 against Quinnipiac... They were the nine seed? Because they only played, like, five games. 
so this is so cringeworthy like how stupid the scenes they they were the nine seed and they went six and three in conference yeah i mean they had like eight covid pauses like they just the mac really fumbled that they've made a terrible choice yeah they should have like if you you could have had like coaches vote on the seedings if you wanted to do that like anything else than that yeah anything else than going by wins yep which most years works out well that not this year yeah it didn't work this year certainly didn't work uh anything else before we sign off here no it's all for me yeah it this podcast, it's sneaky, went long. Like, we, we got a quite a bit of stuff talked about, so. Yeah, uh, didn't didn't plan on that. Didn't think that would happen. Yeah. Uh, as we speak, we've got the Lakers playing the Warriors, so uh, I'm going to go on a limb and say the Lakers hold on. They're currently up by two, but I could be wrong here. No, they'll win, probably. All right. Uh, yeah, that will take it from here uh make sure to subscribe to the podcast subscribe to the youtube channel uh until next time thanks again for tuning in